Welcome to the Nuts. I'm Amal Shaw. This is Josh Towers filling in for Mike Palm today. Great show on tap. We're going to have Tim Doyle join us in about 45 minutes. One of our most entertaining guests every time he joins us. Lots of fun there. We'll get into a ton of baseball with the former big league pitcher in Josh Towers. We'll get his perspective on the Cy Young race. Also, we'll talk about this matchup today going in Chicago between Kershaw and Hendricks. We'll break that down a little bit. That game goes in about 20 minutes. But first, Josh, I want to start with the NBA. Last night, the Los Angeles Lakers without LeBron James in the lineup. Anthony Davis with a critical block down the stretch. They shut down Nikolai Jokic, the favorite to win the NBA MVP. They win this game 93-89. Lakers got back to what they need to do, which is playing defense and limiting the Nuggets to only 89 points. Yeah, I mean, statistically the number one defense in the uh, NBA, so something they needed to do. The block maybe really wasn't, you know, as meaningful as far as the outcome of the game. Sure. I mean, you know, what happens? They, they block it, uh, down four, hit a three, foul him, get the ball back. You know, the, you, the scenario was going to be a heave-ho probably at the end, but also very impressive by Anthony Davis. I mean, the Lakers, I don't think, played the basketball that they wanted to play the two games previously. Um, you know, had those three games in a row, expecting to maybe go 2-1, and one, and I think they were, you know, 0-2 coming in. So they stepped up their game defensively, which is what you have to do. Anthony Davis coming back from injury, Still, in my opinion, on the the fill-it-out process of I don't want to get too hurt, I want to play my minutes, I want to make sure I come through healthy. And I think that took that a little bit more personal last night and played a better basketball game all the way around. They did a good job on on the Joker as well. Uh, And the other thing was I thought that when you look at Denver, they did a good job with Porter. You know, there's got to be some help somewhere, and they kind of shut him down a little bit, kept him below his average, and it, it caused the entire team... For the Nuggets to kind of just be a little bit off, who else was going to step up? And so I, I thought it was a, again, a very good effort defensively for the Lakers. Something they needed to do, something they needed to re-prove themselves when the offense isn't there. I'm all based on the the previous two games they played, and it's something that uh, about seven games left. Yeah, right in the season, it's something that I think they're going to have to collectively, and a lot of teams around the league have to collectively have to to make a, a serious effort. I mean, you want to be in the right spot coming in, you want to be hot, you don't want to be finding stuff, and you want to know that it's there, and it's not just there sometimes, it's there all the time. Can Now now can the Lakers back it up next game? Yeah, that's the big question, Mark. Right. Talk, taking a look at the Lakers right now, 65 games played, just seven games remaining. They sit 10 games behind the leader. Obviously, they're eliminated from getting the one seed, but more importantly, you're looking at the play-in situation. Lakers currently at 37-28. and 28. Mavericks with a game in hand are in Miami tonight. Three and a half point dogs in that one. They're at 36 and 28. They're a half a game back. Portland at 36 and 29. Also mm-hmm. 65 games played. Just a game back at the Lakers. But remember, LA holds the tiebreaker. And don't look now, but here come the Golden State Warriors at 33 and 32, sitting in the eighth spot. Just a half a game ahead of Memphis at 32 and 32. And then, of course, the San Antonio Spurs at 31 and 33. As a former professional athlete, for you, does it matter? who you're facing off against in the postseason, or is there a genuine you know, feeling of, hey, I would prefer to play this team because I think we match up better against this opponent? No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, there's... Uh, I, I, I don't think... I always found it weird when my career was over and, and I started doing this stuff, not necessarily with VEASAN, but looking at the lines coming into the books and, and going, oh, man, they're a big dog today. They're a big favorite today. You know... It, whether I was with the Orioles and all, and we weren't very good, and the Yankees were coming in, you never felt like you were going to lose. And it wasn't just the 
you know, the ego or the pride of being a professional athlete and a professional team. You just know how you prepared and you know that if you do your job and I see the holes and I see the, the weaknesses and strengths of the other team, and if I just do my job, I know collectively that we could win this game. So you never felt like you really were a dog. So when it comes to, like, the postseason situation, the first and foremost, you just want to get in. Yeah. And, yeah, if you can collect some sort of high enough seed to where I have a buy and get rest, always something that anybody wants. But I don't – from from the limited times that I've been in the postseason throughout my career, we never cared about who we're going to play. Um, we just cared that we were in and that we were – where we needed to be mentally, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so absolutely, yeah. You, I, picking and choosing becomes very difficult because then that's a whole other level of having to back it up. So I don't think that a lot of teams look at it from that perspective. The front office and coaches probably do. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Just something to pay attention to when you're looking at these particular teams. This is the Nuts. I'm Amal Shaw. That is former big league pitcher Josh Towers. Great show on tap today. We're going to get into Major League Baseball very heavily, but we're also going to talk NBA with analyst Tim Doyle, who's going to join us. You catch him on NBA TV and, of course, uh, uh, Comcast Chicago as well. So he'll be joining us in about 30 minutes. Uh, but, Josh, I want to get into Major League Baseball right now with you. When you look at this in terms of what we've seen so far. The New York Mets, they've got Jacob deGrom going today. He's been the best pitcher in baseball. His numbers have been stellar, but they make a move in terms of their hitting coaches. They fire them. Can this team get on track? Because you can't have a guy like deGrom pitching every other day or every fifth day, rather, (laughs) and giving up just one run and losing those type of games like like he did against the Boston Red Sox last week. There was a time where uh, the Blue Jays tried to go on four-day rotation so we can get Roy Halladay pitching a lot more. And, of course, you know, some of us were on board because that just meant we'd play more as well. You can't do it. I understand. Jacob deGrom is on another level of special. But as we had talked about last week, especially coming off that game in Colorado where he asked for an extra day because he knows his body and his recovery and what he needs to be the best that he can be so well. Um that it has nothing to do with if, if I'm going to give you the best version of me, sometimes I'm going to need a day. Sometimes I can come back a day early. Uh, I think that the offensive support had something to do with the firing of the hitting coaches. I, I do, you know, for Jacob deGrom, because you see what this kid does on a daily basis and, and you want to support it. But again, there's, it, it's it's different than that. You're not just going to – I mean, I can add a lot more guys to this lineup and change any hitting coach I want, but you have this pride and you have this, I want to do so well for him because of how well he does for us, and you try a little harder and it kind of takes you out of the rhythm. And there's more to it. It's tough to explain, but they they really do give their best effort for Jacob. They want to see him succeed because anytime you have a leader who physically does what he does, he might be a vocal leader internally. He's not a vocal leader externally to any of us. So whenever you see the commitment to excellence and and his team that he gives, they really, really want to do well. And so I do think that the firing of the hitting coaches has something to do with the lack of support for Jacob deGrom. With that said, they have a very good offensive team on paper and they're not living up to expectations, but there's a lot of like, there's too many expectations I think they put on that team. And I never really felt like they had an identity of who they are offensively. So you can change that all you want, but we're seeing it around baseball as well. Yeah, to your point, Lindor, 0 for 20 uh, right now, really slumping. Completely unexpected. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not a panic mode, is it? No, I, I don't think so. I, I just think, you know, sometimes you make a move to hear a different voice in the clubhouse to just jumpstart things, but also it puts people on notice that, hey, listen, if things don't go the right way, we're going to make a change. Do you think that that Lindor struggling 
and they brought him over to be the guy. Obviously, gave him that enormous contract, and we know how good Lindor is. Everybody does. Uh, do you think that maybe the Lindor struggles have more to do with this than anything? Well, I think it's a byproduct of it, right? Like, if Lindor yeah. is playing well, then I think we see Pete Alonso playing better. Uh, Dominic Smith's got to do a better job. I think it's, a, you know, in baseball, you know this better than any of us. When teams get hot, they get hot. And when you see right. them slumping, they slump. And I think that's one of the keys. Mentioning about Jacob DeGrom, he's a minus 210 favorite today in St. Louis. Total of 210 in that one. Ovedo uh, facing him on the other side there. But I want to get into the Cy Young numbers here real quick, Josh. DeGrom right now, the favorite at DraftKings at minus 125. Burns at plus $5. Uh, also looking at Trevor Bauer at 15 to 1. Walker Bueller 22 to 1 for the National League Cy Young. Just want to quickly throw DeGrom's numbers out there. He's 2-2. Two and two, Not impressive. Innings pitch 35. His XFIP is 1.39. This is where it gets really insanely impressive. K's per nine innings, 15.17. Whip, 0.57. ERA, 0.51. You know, for <laughs> me, there are two seasons I always think of in pitchers in terms of the last 30, 35 years as great seasons. Pedro in 2001 with the oh Red Sox. God. And I think of Dwight Gooden in 85 with the Mets with the 1.53 ERA and going 24 and 4. And this is DeGrom right now is pitching at a clip that's probably even better than both of those guys. He is. And like both those guys, uh, especially Pedro, he's been very consistent for a few years. Yeah. It, the, that year for Pedro, there's a couple of years in baseball that I recall. And that year for Pedro was one of those years that the opposing team was always on the top step as well. Anytime you got to see Maddox pitch, you were always on the top step. And then Pedro was so dominant. And it was so impressive that all of us wanted to watch. Jacob's like that, too. It's it's rare that it happens. I Listen, 16 hits in 35 innings, just the two earned runs, uh, four walks, equally impressive, 55 Ks. The Ks are always there because his stuff is so good. But on top of it, uh, the two other things that are important, his location is second to nobody's in baseball. Uh, and he knows how to set up his pitches. Yeah. Right? So, you know... It's almost like just cheat on a four-seam fastball down and away and hope that you covered enough you know, plate to hit it, and then that's where your best success comes from. He's, he's clearly the favorite for the Cy Young. There's no reason to not think Jacob is going to continue this because he hasn't given us a reason over the last couple of years to show otherwise. I don't even know what a bad game for DeGrom is anymore because he doesn't really have those which is sad to say because now our expectations are so high. It really is hard. Danny Duffy, for example, 4-1 and one with a point six. That's unbelievable what Duff's doing right now. On any given year, we'd be talking about him. He gets no play because of how good Clayton, uh, sorry, not Clayton, but Jacob is and Garrett Cole is. and it, I, Man, it's hard to, it's also hard to lay a negative number at minus 125 this early in the season on a, on a Cy Young guy. And if you didn't get in early at, it was also a bad yeah. number, what, plus 300 to yeah, start the exactly season? Yeah, it's exactly not, not. But I just don't see how any any of these other guys, I mean, Corbin Burns is slowly coming into his own, but he's never proved anything to us consistently. He's still young. Trevor Bauer has had, you know, one and a half good years in his career, so you can't trust anything from him. There's just, you just go down the list of what we're trying to look for in terms of is it worth putting money on Jacob at this point as a Cy Young? And if we're just looking at consistency, he's the number one consistent guy across the board to where you would have faith in him compared to anybody else. I want to correct one thing. I said Pedro 2001, 2000 was the year I was looking for. We had yeah. the 1.74 ERA, won five ERA titles in seven years. DeGrom right now is pitching <laughs> at that level. And I mean, and that was during when, you That's know. It's not easy, man. Uh, yeah. yeah I it's mean, not easy. It's unbelievable what in he was the, able to do. In the East, in the AL East. 
yeah. with great teams around there and great uh, offensive teams. It's unbelievable what he's able to do. Speaking of the AL, let's go to the other league and let's go to the junior circuit. Right now, Garrett Cole, plus 160. <laughs> he comes in with a 4-1 and record. Of course, the benefactor of playing in New York, you get a little bit more hype. Shane Bieber, plus 325. Tyler Glass now, plus 450. Lance Lynn, 15 to 1. Lucas Giolito, 20 to 1. Uh, the couple names I want to throw out there that you were looking at Nathan Evaldi and Danny Duffy are both the same at 33 to 1. Yeah. I know you're not looking at Evaldi necessarily, but you were no. surprised that Duffy was the same price as Evaldi. Yeah, I, again, remember when Nathan Evaldi got that contract with Boston? He comes off the postseason where it was really good. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we were looking at wins and totals, uh, wins and losses, sorry, for the next season. And Nathan Evaldi was at 12. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this, but we had talked about how that was a crazy number. It was way too high. Nathan Navaldi had never won like more than like eight games or something in his career. How could you ever lay a number at 12? It was the overhype that was Nathan Navaldi. I don't think he won four games or something. I'm all the next year. Uh, I get the start that he's having in Boston as well. There's no way I can put faith in Nathan Navaldi to win the Cy Young for a whole season. It's just impossible. And so when I look at this list, uh, there's just numbers that I can cross out. I mean, you, you, Barrios had a great start, but then we're seeing some inconsistencies there. It, we don't have time in this day and age with how bad the hitters are performing so far to have any inconsistencies. And Lucas Gito is the same way. He he shows us how Dominic can be at Anaheim at home, um, meaning where he's from. And then he goes up to Seattle and maybe doesn't take it as serious. And there there's no days like that for some of these pitchers. Shane Bieber's phenomenal offense needs to respect him a little bit more and they're doing their best Garrett Cole is just special to watch so again it's easier for me to just go down this list and cross out I can't really have faith in Tyler Glass now no matter how good he's doing because he doesn't pitch enough innings to where will he be taken serious at the end of the season to your to your point in terms of Glass now yesterday he had a uh, five nothing lead going into the sixth inning gives up three runs only goes he gave six, up three in the sixth. Yeah, and he, he he gave up three in the sixth, and he gave up four base on balls. Only went six innings. You look at Cole. But he, real, he, real quick yeah. on that, Amal, it, he, we're so used to it, and he's so used to only going five, yeah. whether his pitch count's high or low, that all of a sudden, and it's not a lot, but all of a sudden we take him into an inning that he doesn't pitch, from my you know recollection, very often, and then that's where he gives up runs. So, you know, you start, to, you, you, we just really progress them. We got to get him through six. We got to get him through seven. Every now and again, give him an eighth inning if we can, and it teaches him more about how to uh, have the discipline to use all his stuff. But it's it's ironic that an inning that he doesn't really get to that often, that's where he started to give up the runs. It's it's to our our fatigue factor at some point. Cole has been dominant so far. Yes. Again, four and one, thirty-seven innings pitched. He's got a case per nine of fourteen point eight one, WHIP of point seven one, and ERA of one point three. Really been incredibly you see impressive. Many walks, uh, in terms of I do, uh, let me look up yeah, the base. Yeah, so look. Uh, probably four. Yeah, three and thirty-seven innings. Wow. Okay, that's unbelievable. He's not even, again, he's in the American League East as well. Um, Boston's playing well. Baltimore's playing way better than expected. We all know about Tampa, what they bring to the table, and everybody else who he faces. He's got 37 innings, 62 Ks, and he's walked three people. So he's, there's no one that gets in the box that he's, that he fears. And we saw some early spring training stuff where he was walking guys. And people had kind of raised concern about Garrett Cole in spring training. And what they don't understand is he was just working on stuff. He was working on pitches and situations where I'll try it now because it doesn't affect me. And whatever he was working on internally in spring training, um, it's paying dividends now.
Absolutely right. I want to quickly hit a baseball game that's going to go. You have two pitchers on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of uh, how they're pitching so far this year. One is the Dodgers with Clayton Kershaw, who's been dominant with a 2.1 ERA, .9 whip. On the flip side, Kyle Hendricks going in this matchup for the Cubs. Remember, this is a seven-inning game because they're going to play two games today, doubleheader. We've got a total of six in this one. Dodgers minus 180 on the money line. If you like the run line with the Dodgers, minus a run and a half, plus 105. Cubs take back is plus 155, plus a run and a half, minus 130. You were a little bit surprised by this number, uh, not just in terms of the total, but with Hendricks being such a dog, because if you look at two of his outings, he got roughed off by the same team. Yeah, and I like him, and he's another guy that can pitch. He steps up versus better teams. It's the Braves that have given him fits this year. With that said, outside of the Braves, he's only faced you know Pittsburgh opening day and then Milwaukee, who he cruised to, but they weren't you know the twice six and zero and six and two, so they haven't really been the hottest hitting team. Uh, I, from what I've seen from Kyle when I watched him, it's it's early struggles. So, again, I wouldn't mind first inning yes in this game. It's early struggles. The ball's up. He wasn't really getting to where he wanted to. He wasn't able to change speeds. And then it took him a, you know an inning or two after to settle down. Clayton Kershaw has been phenomenal. The Dodgers lineup is slowly coming back to full health as well. I know the wind's blowing in him all slightly from the outfield, but I didn't think it was enough. The total I saw this morning was five. Uh, when I pulled it up on the app that I used to bet on, it was five over juice to uh, 125, which I thought was crazy because I was like, hold on, no matter what. I mean, I know it's a seven-inning game, but that's a 2-2 game. That can happen, you know, really quick. Right. And uh, so to see it jump makes a lot of sense. So uh, obviously at five, I love it. At six, now we start to we, we want to get more into some details of it. Yeah, I like your point on the potential yes in the first inning there because so many times with a guy like Clayton Kershaw, people tend to play a no, but with the struggles that Kyle Hendricks has had thus far, it could be an opportunity. And most of these great pitchers, you're generally going to get to them early. Always. If you're going to get to them, you're going to get to them early in the game and you're going to get to them early in the at-bat. Uh, the other thing is, is especially on Fridays, by the way, Friday day games the same time at Wrigley, when they're at home, it's always a first inning yes. Just blindly play it, and uh, you'll be happy. And so, again, it's the timing of the game and at Wrigley, too, that kind of you know plays into the yes. But Hendricks, full strength for the Dodgers, almost. Clayton Kershaw, day game. And I think we're getting plus money on the, on the bet. I, I like first inning yes. Yeah, that's a good one to take a look at. Any other particular games that you may be considering? I know you and I were talking before we came on air. Are you looking at the Toronto-Oakland game, which goes later tonight in Oakland? Uh, you thought this was a pretty good matchup. Blue Jays playing well of late. I think they're, what, 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. Yeah, they are. It's um, There's a lot of factors into this one, actually. I, I like the way that Cole Irvin had been pitching. Um, allowed just three runs with 20 Ks over his last 17 innings, so three outings. I like the way it didn't start great for him, but he's cleaned it up. He's pitching well. Obviously, we know Oakland's been fantastic since the start of the season, those first eight games. Toronto Blue Jays are playing well. Uh, the kids are starting to hit a little bit. The pitching's been good. The bullpen's been good as well. But Anthony Kay's had one appearance at the big league level mall this season, and he's coming from the alternate training side. And one of the things said was um, they've stretched him out at the alternate training site. Well, guess what? To me, that means nothing. Without having a minor league system and having to play meaningful games to where if I'm struggling, I'm not going to get the call back up, where I could possibly get demoted, uh, watching other people pitch well, that they'll get the call, and and having what the minor leagues are truly about, without having that, sitting down in an alternate training site, facing your buddies every day, uh, very comfortable with, there's no, in essence, I don't want to say 
punishment is not the right word, but we'll use it for now. Uh, there's no demotion possibly or promotion. I'm just going to get extended and stretched out. Like that doesn't do anything for me because he hasn't been tested versus something that means something. Minor league baseball is very important to the progression and to the big league level. And so them just trying to stretch out Anthony, which is having the one appearance at the big league level. Um, it's going to be a bullpen day. And again, the pen's been great, but it's still going to be asked a lot in my opinion of them. I know Oakland's a great pitch uh, place to pitch. I do love it. I just, I think this game favors Oakland tremendously. And I don't think the line is correct given that, that situation, mainly with Anthony Kay. Uh, the one thing I want to say real quick is now that the minor league baseball season starts tonight, if used correctly, let's get rid of that alternate training site. If used correctly, we are going to see the averages around baseball uh, collectively rise. We're going to see pitchers have to be a little bit more. Uh, you're going to see the case come down a little bit because now baseball is going to be back, hopefully, to being earned and not just chose from this small little group that I put together. That's something to definitely take a look at. When we come back, we're going to get into a little bit more Major League Baseball. There are two pitchers that are more than $2 favorites pitching tonight. Should we take a look at betting those guys, or do we potentially go with the underdog? And also, how does the result of the Cubs-Dodgers' first game of the doubleheader impact your bet on the second game? That's all next with Josh Towers. Nuts. I'm Amal Shaw alongside Josh Towers filling in for Mike Palm today. Taking a look at Major League Baseball with the former big league pitcher himself. Josh, uh, Dodgers-Cubs playing in the doubleheader today. We know Kershaw and Hendricks are going in Game 1, but in Game 2, which is going to be a bit of a later start today, it's going to be at 440 e uh, Pacific Time, 740 Eastern. It's going to be Bauer against Thompson in this one. Dodgers a big favorite. Does the result of the first game impact how you would make a wager on the second game despite the fact that Bauer's on the mound? Um, we do see splits a lot yeah. and it, there is uh, this relaxing kind of feeling after you won the first game with, with it. I don't know. It just takes a little bit of pressure off you. And so it's not thought about, it's not talked about. It's kind of a weird thing. And then the other team, you know, obviously whenever you lose, you tend to make, you know, more adjustments than if you do when you win. Sure. So we see splits a lot more. It's, it's going to be tough. I mean, we got Keegan Thompson going, and he made his MLB uh, debut on Sunday in Cincinnati, logging one shutout inning in relief, and now all of a sudden he's starting. So, you, I mean, you know how I feel about that, and I, I don't know if he's prepared. So, luckily it's seven. He probably won't go very deep in this game regardless of how he pitches. Um, and then he's got the Dodgers. So he's taking notes right now, which is a very important thing to do. To start this game, you don't know what lineup. If the Dodgers come out and win this first game, you know what lineup are they going to throw out there? They're going to run the boys who, again, they're just starting to get their lineup back together. So they're going to run the boys, you know, all out there again. Are they going to alter their lineup? So, you know, traditionally I would favor the team who loses in the second game. But if the Dodgers do pull this out, I, I would have to take a longer look at, at the Cubs and what's going on. 
Yeah, Trevor Bauer, obviously a big favorite in this one against the, uh, uh, excuse me, the Cubs. You're seeing a price right now of roughly around 240 to 245, uh, depending on where you get the number. And the total in that one also showing six. Remember, that's going to be a seven-inning game because it is the second game of a doubleheader. Bauer, real quick, uh, you know I'm not the biggest fan. And again, you know, you got to do something more than once in in order to, like, to prove yourself. Um, But... With that said, he he has been giving the Dodgers everything they need. I mean, they just lost May to the season. The shortest outing for the year so far for Bauer was six innings versus the Padres, and he's only given up uh, he gave up four runs on opening day into the seventh at Colorado. So to me, that's still a quality start when you're pitching right. in in Denver. Um, but three runs or less in in every game, so he's given them an opportunity to win. He's been pretty good too. So it's gonna. Now, I would like to see the lineup, but he's given them everything they need so far in the season. He's 15-1 to 1 to win the Cy Young. He comes in with a 2.4 ADRA. We know DeGrom's way ahead, but if yeah. you look at the Dodgers, they're going to be a team in contention all year long. Is he someone you could potentially consider making a wager on based on the odds and the way he's pitched? Yeah, you definitely can consider it. Again, you're going to have to see DeGrom falter a little bit because it's just it's there's such a separation between what Jacob's doing and what, you know, Trevor Bauer and having a great year and the rest of these guys are doing. The other thing is too, is remember, you know, 2020 last year, he was five and four with a one, seven, three shortened season. So he had a really good season past that. It was 2018 where he was 12 and six with the two, two, one. He's never had an ERA below four, one, eight since 2012 coming to the big league. So he's getting better and hopefully he's part laying that a little bit. But it's hard for me in a long season with the consistency of Jacob and the inconsistencies of Trevor Bauer's career to uh, 15 to one's a good number. Yeah. But it's going to take something drastic to, because the consistency is just so, it's so tough. Padres to hosting the Pittsburgh Pirates today down in San Diego at Petco. Mitch Keller on the mound for the Pirates in this one against Ryan Weathers. Weathers has pitched well, but has only gone 16 in the third innings with a .55 ERA, .61 whip. Josh's last outing, he had some arm issues, left mm-hmm. the game. Now he's going to be making the start today. Padres' big favorites here at about minus 230. Would you be a little bit leery of laying a number like this with San Diego because Weathers may not potentially be able to go long in this game? Yeah, so go back to the last two games that the Padres have played, check out the bullpen, see how much they pitched, see who is available. Stammen would be a long guy, see when 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 Stammen pitched last and how he's done. Uh, and then you got Keller, who, you know, he gave up four and two and a third his last game, uh, five and two the game before, but then he got rocked for versus the Padres, by the way, three and a third, seven runs. So there's been, it's like every other game has been good or bad, good or bad. Sometimes when we have bad games versus a team, we play some, we face them soon. You know, we actually play a little bit better. But in this particular case, I, I think that it's going to be tough for, for Keller to have the success. But again, look at what the Padres bullpen has done. Yeah, that's one of the keys when you're looking at this matchup. Uh, Keller has not been a guy who's been too long for games anyway. Best outing has been right. five innings. Just something to pay attention to if you're taking a looking at uh, betting this game. Pods won last night 2 nothing. When we come back, we'll get into some more Major League Baseball, including the Bronx Bombers, who are starting to roll. They're really making a push in the American League East. That's next here on VC.
playoff races are high in high gear, and our experts are covering every angle to find the betting edges as the regular season winds down. VEASAN hockey expert Andy McNeil is tracking all the NHL action, and our senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel has all the hoops insights. Every night they are looking at the teams who are tanking and which squads are playing to save their season to find the best bets on the board. Our experts and the entire VEASAN team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet, including our 24-7 video coverage, odds and analysis of every game on VEASAN.com, our daily members only best bet emails, and in-depth coverage of every major event in Point Spread Weekly. Now is the time to cash in on the push to the playoffs. Sign up for your 10-day free trial at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Welcome back into the Nuts. I'm Amal Shaw. Josh Towers filling in for Mike Palm. Josh, you said it before uh, we got going in the first segment. You said take the yes in the Cubs-Dodgers first inning run to be scored. Uh, 1-0 Chicago. They get a run here in the bottom of the first inning off of Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, the hot hitting Chris Bryant, man. This guy's been having a fantastic start to his season. Very, just very comfortable this year. And it's nice to see because it's been a... A struggle for a little bit, especially last year, and he's had a slow start. So to see KB Vegas' own doing his thing right now, it's awesome. And then Rizzo just got a little, uh, looked like a rolling breaking ball. It, it Honestly, I, I thought the defensive effort by Max Muncy wasn't there. I don't know why he's playing so far off the line with a guy in scoring position. And then he got a good kick, you know, chest high to where it would have been an easy one to at least leave your feet and it would have, you know, kept the double play in order and it would have kept the Cubs off the board. So, um you know, from a defensive side of it, I thought that the Dodgers could have did a better job. But from a betting side of it, uh, it's beautiful because it's plus money. It's something yeah. you and I spoke about. And again, there's something about this time day starts in Wrigley where uh, it's just it's different for our routine of waking up, preparing breakfast, lunch. Which one am I doing? It's just it's just kind of a weird thing, a weird time slot for us. Yeah, especially the Dodgers. They don't generally play a one twenty Central Time start, eleven twenty on the yeah. West Coast. So. A little bit of an issue there. Kershaw behind right now. Bottom of the first inning. Keep you posted on that one as that game progresses. Want to go to the Bronx Stadium. You are familiar with in New York. Yankee Stadium. This is a team now starting to get their sea legs under them. They're playing uh, well. 7-3 and three in their last 10. They've won three in a row. Domingo Herman facing off against Zach Greinke for the Houston Astros. Astros also coming on. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. Remember, they had that little bit of a rough patch. Now you look at Greinke going today. And the one thing I like about Greinke this year, he's finally taking the ball and going longer in games. It always seemed like with Greinke, it was six innings and then an abrupt end. Now he's gone seven, eight innings deep into the games, but he's got to find a little bit more consistency because he has given up some runs throughout as the Yankees are minus 125 at home, Astros plus 106. Total in this game is 8.5. Uh, yeah, I wanted to see, too. I was going to try to pull it up real quick. The, the lineup in the last game for the Yankees, uh, because I noticed when they're – I mean, they struggle a lot. Like a lot of teams, the offense hasn't been there. But when you're putting Hicks and John Carlos Stanton back-to-back, it's never a good thing. And and I noticed that they did start to alter that. They, they moved one of them. And it, it helped. You can't give me two free outs back to back. And so when you start mixing the lineup, you know it changes the thought process by some players, and hopefully you get a little bit more um, effort. And then I know Odor had been swinging it, so when somebody's hot, you want to you want to plug them in because you know we're not going to get a full season from Odor, but if he's hot right now, use it. So the, the Yankees started to make necessary adjustments to the lineup that I felt was important. Domingo Germán is somebody that they're going to need. Hopefully he's passed his past issues and that, you know, for a lot of reasons, hopefully, and that he can get back to what 
he was giving the Yankees in the past because this kid was pretty good. His last outing versus Baltimore, he said it, awesome, seven innings, three hits, no runs, just the one walk, very important. He's only had one walk in each of his games, so four on the season as well. And then at Cleveland, same thing, six innings, two earned runs, three total, very important. The first two games of the year, he went three and four, and it was more of like, I think, happy to be back, uh, what are the expectations of me, kind of a filling out process, and I think that he's finally getting into some rhythm early now for the Yankees. So very important. This is a person they're going to need, especially when the defense, sorry, I'm all the offense isn't there for them. The pitching has to step up. Uh, Zach is, and that's Grinky. He's coming off his worst four runs at Seattle. Goes back to what we were just talking about um, in the Pirates with Keller and, and his recent struggles versus the Padres. And now he's going to face him again. And sometimes... We do well. The Seattle game is where Grinky dealt eight innings, no runs, four hits at Seattle on the 17th, and now he's uh, faced them again, and he gives up four and four. So it's it's tough because there are adjustments that teams and players make when I see you that close together. Um, and so outside of that, what are expectations of Zach Grinky? He's been phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, two bad games, but he usually keeps it to two or less. He's a genius pitching. If the Yankees are free swing at all, they're going to be in trouble because my man's not afraid to locate and try different things. So for the Yankees' perspective, they're going to need Jermon to be decent, and they're going to have to be willing to take some pitches and not let Zach completely control everything about the outcome of this game, which is easy to do for him. Uh, just want to ask you a quick question. Uh, got about a minute here. Yeah. Um, in terms of Granky, 15 innings on the road this year has only given up two runs. Sometimes pitching away from home, guys just have a little bit more comfort. What is it? I mean, I know it's a very small sample size, but is there any takeaway from that potentially now that he's on the road tonight? No, because I think that's an individual thing. Okay. Again, traveling used to be back in the day. Um, it, it just it, it takes you out of your comfort zone. But, I mean, Zach's played on so many teams. The travel for us at the major league level is very, very easy. Um, you know, given his contracts over the years, there's nothing that he, he can't have. And I know it's, it's that's not a, like a disrespectful thing or like, a, oh, I'm rich thing. It's, you know, if I want a different room or if I want to have family or if I want, it, it, you know, he, he, can, he's, he knows how to keep himself comfortable. And, again, the way the clubhouses take care of us on the road in the Major League Baseball, it's easy to be very comfortable with meals and everything else. So uh, it is a preference thing, but with Zach having traveled around the league for as long as he has, he knows how to just be ready at all times. Uh, it's Less pressure media, too. Yeah, it's something to pay attention to as they go forward tonight. Want to get to the all-in play. Talk about a rough beat last night in the all-in segment. Had the Minnesota t uh, Timberwolves. Minnesota Twins at home last night, laying a run and a half. They're up 6-3 in the ninth inning. Ground oh, ball no, hit to Andrewton Simmons. Uh, should have been a double play from a gold glover. Makes an errant throw. And, of course, Joey Gallo hits a two-run homer after that. So going to try and get back on track here today. Taking the Boston Bruins under 5.5. You're going to have Halak in net tonight going up against Blackwood in this one. When you look at Boston in their last 10 games defensively, they've given up 15 goals. This team is really making a push. I think they've got a great chance. They're winners of four in a row. I think the Bees win this game tonight. Last night they shut out the Devils. I think we could see something similar despite the fact that it was uh, Tuka Raskin in net last night. Uh, Yaroslav Halak tonight for the Bees. 
So pay attention to that one. Again, Bruins under five and a half to play here, trying to get back on the winning streak after that beat yesterday up in the Twin Cities. Coming up next, it'll be Tim Doyle uh, of CBS Sports and, of course, NBA TV, former college basketball player. We'll get his take on the NBA. That's next when the Nuts continues. Sportsbook app has a huge number of live streaming events every day. Bet River Sportsbook has great offers, including a $250 match bonus on your first deposit, and all bonuses are only one time playthrough. Amazing offers and great customer service makes Bet Rivers your hometown sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, playable in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. See the Bet River Sportsbook app for details. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. In Indiana, call 1 800 9 with it. Or in Colorado, call 1 800 522 4700. Playable in New Jersey as Play Sugar House. days for your winnings. Cash out instantly with Bet Rivers' new feature, Rush Pay. Get your cash when you want it at Bet Rivers Sportsbook, the industry leader with exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boost, and the most in-play betting options out there. As always, get $250 match bonus, fastest payouts, and only one-time playthrough at Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Available at PlaySugarHouse.com in New Jersey. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. Not valid in Iowa. And joining us right now, like he always does during the NBA season, is one of our favorite, if not favorite guests, Tim Doyle of NBA TV, CBS Sports, former college basketball player at St. John's and Northwestern. Timmy, how are you? Good. I'm feeling lucky. That's what I know. It, it feels I, I feel good vibes on this show. We got Towers there. I know that he's, he's jumping into Clayton Kershaw numbers. I don't want to talk any basketball, but I got a couple of games tonight. And also, Amal, I got a live ticket going. What, what do you got? What well, let's it? go. What is that? What do you have? I have Chris Paul to win the MVP, and I have it, ew, that's E-W-W. That means every which way, okay? That means I have um, a $100 free bet. I have a $25 bet on him. I have $100 on him at 5000 to 1. So total bets with Chris Paul had paid me over $70,000. And Towers, you know this. This was my philosophy, okay? Give it to me. If Phoenix caught Utah and Phoenix had the best record in the Western Conference, we've been playing Little League since we're 12 years old. I mean, it, the, the awards go to guys on teams that win. And I know Nikola Jokic just had an amazing year, but his team is in the third place in the Western <laughs> Conference. It's like you got, the, you got a team in Phoenix that didn't make the playoffs last year. They didn't make playoffs. And now all of a sudden they have the best record in the entire NBA. It's not the best player in the NBA. It's not the most outstanding player. Then LeBron would have won the award the last 10 years. It's the most valuable player. And Chris Paul deserves this award. Why? Because I would cash a massive ticket. <laughs> all right, two things. One, 
Uh, it seems to be whoever gets the most publicity through the media. So if yep. we can just spark something through your Twitter and our Twitter and VSIN's, and we'll just run this Chris Paul for MVP thing, I think we'd be able to talk somebody into it because that's really all it's really about. I mean, they're all having good seasons, but whoever gets the most pub, it seems to always win. Uh, second question, w- tell me the story with the white shoe behind you. Yeah, so the white shoe is my cousin Eddie. Uh, obviously made famous by the National Lampoon's Vacation. <laughs> and I think everybody needs to have it in their repertoire. You know, I think it's one of those shoes that you may be only able to get off a couple of times a year, but I got like my little Larry Bird Christmas ornament in there. But I, I just, my dad had a pair of these and I was at K&G. By the way, K&G, do not hate on it. You can always find some good props in there. <laughs> I was in there and I got a pair of white, these white shoes, size 14. Ladies, don't get your hopes up. Uh, I got this maybe three years ago, and I've gotten more run out of the white shoe. And that's all anybody asks me about is the white shoe. So uh, it's just a prop that thing. I keep up here. I love it. Uh, and nothing better than having Tim Chris Doyle. Paul for MVP. Yeah. Well, listen, hold on. Let's go back to that for Paul, Paul for MVP. Mm-hmm. Mike Palm and I have been yelling all year, uh, Doyle, in terms of why it should be uh, either Paul or somebody else. I feel like Jokic is like, hey, okay, we don't have anybody else. Let's just put him in there. This team has done well. I get it without Jamal Murray. But yes. to me, the point you made, if, my, if they're going to have, in terms of Monty Williams winning coach of the year, it just goes hand-in-hand hand that Chris Paul should win MVP. Think about this. Phoenix was in ashes last year. Now they're half a game or a game back from being the one seed in the West. I, thank you. I don't know what else to say. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly my point. And that's kind of the way I handicapped it. Now, the MVP race has been interesting because you know, Luka was supposed to win it. Giannis is going to finish second. Well, then Luka falls off, tough start. Giannis has never really gotten kind of underneath him, even though his numbers are the same. He's missed time. Then Fat Harden gets skinny, and he starts playing well. Now he's going to win the MVP. He gets hurt. Uh, LeBron's going to win the MVP. He gets hurt. Embiid's going to win the MVP. He gets hurt. So a lot of guys have kind of fallen by the wayside. And I do think the fact that, you know, Chris Paul's played in every game this year or virtually every game, that has to play some sort of role. Jokic's numbers are unbelievable. And when you watch him, he is really the closest thing that I've seen to Larry Bird, more so than Dirk Nowitzki. I think his passing and his rebounding are really Bird-like. And his shooting has massively improved. The biggest thing with him is he's done an amazing job getting in top-flight condition. But... I think Chris Paul has an amazing story attached to him. He's also looking at borderline of 50, 40, 90 type of year statistically. And the biggest thing is his team is winning. And that's who deserves to get awards, our guys on winning teams. He's also been pretty beneficiary of a couple of injuries. But come on, let's start the chant. MVP, MVP <laughs> for Chris Paul. Um, I think it's overlooked, by the way, when it comes to these awards the because it's so stat driven i think the the playing every game i mean the mvp means a lot of things to me but accountability and showing up every day and being there is very important and i think that gets overlooked i wish things like that would play into it a little bit more you mentioned uh Giannis as well who's been playing well the nets and the bucks play tonight they played the other day a three-point game the last three games they played have been settled by three two and three and it looked like Giannis took it personal he wanted the ball down the stretch uh, and he had a great game, but so did KD. Can the Bucks tonight repeat that performance? 
You know, I think it's can Giannis repeat that performance. Yeah, really I think the big, the biggest deal in that game, Towers, was he went out there and banged down four threes. If he starts making threes, then it's like, uh, I don't know what to do. If he's able to make three to five threes in playoff games, I think the box could go to the NBA championship. Is that likely to happen from a guy who shoots 20% from three over the course of his career? No, it's not very likely. But what's going to happen is the, the model in the playoffs, the game plan in the playoffs is going to be give him space. And then when he drives, help and make someone else go out there and make shots. He was unbelievable in that game. You know, the way I look at tonight's game against Brooklyn is, is that what you need? Like, uh, so you're betting on a Giannis 49, 44-point performance. I guess that could happen again, but I would have a hard time betting the Bucs. I, I think the Nets are the clear-cut favorite in the Eastern Conference. Who's going to play for the Nets? That's always a giant question mark when I bet the Nets. I like when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant <laughs> go out there and play. So I like the Nets in this game. I don't really have a strong opinion, but if I was betting the game, I'd bet the Nets. Great point there on that one. Tim Doyle joining us of NBA TV, CBS Sports, former college basketball player. You can follow him on Twitter at TimDoyle00. By the way, you need 75 more followers to get him to that big magic number of 10,000. Let's get him Let's there go. here by the end of the day today. Let's see if we can get you there, Tim. I want to go to a play you have tonight, the Clippers minus 9.5 at Toronto. But more importantly, not just this play, you like the Clippers to win the NBA title. Yeah, it's 6-1 to them all. I think they have an amazing value. Right now you're looking at... You know, the Nets and Lakers, and I think the Lakers have to iron out some kinks. I think that they're actually better with Drummond coming off the bench. I think Drummond kind of makes Anthony Davis play a little bit more in the perimeter. I like when Davis is able to post up and not just kind of settle for jump shots. Uh, I, I like Drummond in the lineup. I just don't like those two guys together. Uh, they won last night against Denver, but that was a very low-scoring game, and that was a bounce-back effort. Here's why I like the Clippers, right? Top to bottom, they have the best team. They have the most talent of any team. And obviously, you know Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But let me give you some other guys that can make one-on-one -on -one shots. And that's what you need in the playoffs. You need guys to step up and make big boy buckets, okay? Uh, DeMarcus Cousins can go one-on-one -on -one and get a bucket. Luke Kennard can go one-on-one -on -one and get a bucket. Reggie Jackson go one-on-one -on -one and get a bucket. Rondo has done it before. He was the Lakers' third best playoff uh, performer last year in the bubble. So I, I just think it's all about coming together. And they got a lot of guys with experience that have been around the block. Most teams don't have that kind of depth. I mean, they got guys off the bench that can go out there and score. And I just feel like I'm asking for it, right? It's like Paul George, the other night, he was awful. He was 5 of 21 from the field. They lost to Denver. We've seen this Paul George movie before, right? It's like, you know the killer is in the bathroom with the knife, right? It's like, you know Paul George is going to throw up on himself <laughs> in the playoffs. And it's like, there it was again against Denver. He was doing it all over again. So, like, why is this year going to be any different? I actually don't know. You know, I know Doc Rivers isn't on the sidelines, so they're not going to go blow a 3-1 lead like they have done in the past. But I just look at this team top to bottom, and they have all the right kind of fits. But I think the playoffs are going to be a giant question mark. Is Harden's going to come back? How is that going to work? I don't trust the 76ers. I don't trust the Bucs. The Lakers are a work in progress. And do you really believe in Phoenix and Utah? I think Utah, their best basketball is actually behind them. I think they peaked a little bit too early this year. So that's a team that I'm going to be fading going into the playoffs. Like your assessment of Utah and Phoenix, I'm not necessarily a firm believer in them, but give them credit for what they did in the regular season. Want to stay on the Clippers here for a second, Tim. You mentioned, one, excuse me, one name you didn't mention is Patrick Beverly. And to me, this is a guy having every a game every other day in the postseason with the way he guards you. He can get you frustrated. He shoots better than 40% from the three-point line. I think he could be a difference maker and doesn't have to be the guy. He's a fourth or a fifth option for that team. 
Yeah, it, 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 he's a perfect fit, right? Because you don't need him to go out there and score. He gets you six or eight points. That's all a bonus. I just think they have a lot of different weapons that could go out there and hurt you. This is an important game tonight. Here's why. You're laying nine and a half over Toronto. Toronto just had the game of their lifetime. I, I called the Toronto Lakers game for the NBA app. It was like one of those games where if everything can go right for Toronto, they would win, and everything went right. Lowry made a three. Siakam had almost 40. Every time the Lakers made a run, they made like an amazing three in that game. So that was just, and that's going to happen in sports. These are professionals. Like games are going to happen like that. So now they're in LA. I bet you they dip their toe in some water. Not talking about the ocean. I'm talking about some fun. And now they got a night to kind of prepare. And I think the Clippers are going to be pissed off. I think this is a game the Clippers could win by 15. I would feel very comfortable laying 10 and a half, maybe an alternate line. Juice up those odds a little bit. So where's my hammer at? I say the Clippers tonight, hammer them minus nine and a half. (laughs) Timmy, I think you missed your calling. You should have gone to Westwood and UCLA. You would have been a Hollywood star with that personality. Forget Evanston, man. You would have been wreaking havoc all over Los Angeles (laughs) in the 2-1-3 and the 3-10. Yeah, you know, I wanted to go to UCLA. I actually played there at UCLA when I was at St. John's. Jason Capone was on the team. And I had 40 points in that game. It was layup lines. I I hit this jumper like a cheerleader. It was all over me, and I banged down a jumper. (laughs) But my real stats in the game against UCLA was zero minutes, zero points, all zeros across the board. And it was a very long flight from New York to UCLA. But we did win the game, and we were getting points. I remember looking at the USA Today being like, we're getting points here? We're a lot. Timmy, as always, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much. You can find him on Twitter at TimDoyle00. That's going to do it for us. Betting Across America is next.